There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. When you think about running through the tea at Nayland Stadium for the first time this Saturday, does that give you a little bit of chicken skin? Chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a southern boy. I ain't got no idea. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Jim Chaney and T. Martin back in Knoxville time. Penny Hardaway still needs a pacifier time. I wonder how Patrick's going to like me talking about Memphis time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Recording this on a Wednesday morning. Going to drop it to you on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm going to go ahead and call that right now. We're not going to wait until Thursday morning for this. We're going to we're going to drop this one on a on a Wednesday afternoon. Probably bring a, a hoops one to you on Friday morning. Call in your shot. Disclaimer: We're probably not going to talk about Penny in this episode. It's true. Probably not. But you just want to take another shot. Let's get Grant triggered. What a baby! What a, what a baby! For those who missed that, I, I will mention really briefly that uh, Penny Hardaway went on ESPN's Get Up. The show that's called Get Up on Wednesday morning, which Grant Ramey admitted to, to the Twitter world that he was watching. I think he was He's just using. I think he was just using it as uh, reason to point out that he was watching it at the gym. I think he just wanted to point out everybody that he goes to the Probably. gym. Probably, he does like to mention that. As if we can't tell by looking at him. I've noticed this because I have a few friends who uh, who do the whole CrossFit thing, and Ramey doesn't do the CrossFit thing, but uh, the people who do CrossFit. It's, it's kind of a cult. I don't know if you know any people in your life who do the CrossFit thing, but I, I'm here to tell you that when you, if you have any friends who do the CrossFit thing, then that's like going to be 75% of what they talk about at parties and when you go out and stuff. They're going to say, oh, well, I was doing CrossFit. It's not a workout. It's a lifestyle. I was doing my CrossFit thing. You know, I was with my CrossFit thing. I was like, Okay, so you were out there lifting tires and and things. That's what you were because that's practical. But it's just I don't know. It, it's and uh, our good friend who subbed on the podcast before, uh, Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel. Uh, he and I have a mutual friend who she talks about her CrossFit all the time. And every time that we see her, we go, "Oh, hey, uh, you still doing the whole CrossFit thing? The CrossFit? You still you still doing that?" And she'll just kind of yes. It's the greatest. We're like, no, 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 we're joking at you right now. We're not, what we're asking you is a joke. So shout out to all the CrossFit people out there and Ramey for humble bragging about his going to the gym. But for those who missed it, Penny Hardaway went back on uh, that ESPN show and started running his mouth about Rick Barnes again because uh, no one outside of the city of Memphis cares about that right now. And I don't even know how much they care about it. No, anymore. no one outside of Memphis cares about the Memphis basketball program right now because they're irrelevant. 
kind of. And maybe that's why he's got to go out there and say the things that he tries to say to try to get some get some attention, yeah, get some attention. Kind of the whole Lane Kiffin corollary from his one year at Tennessee, how how no press is bad press. Maybe he believes that. I don't know. I could see that. But anyway, we'll we'll have more about that on Friday. And the Vols are have now won about a dozen games in a row or so. I believe they are now fifteen and one after de-pantsing Arkansas. They're so good on on Tuesday night in the Tommy Bowl. Yeah, they're 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 pretty good. I mean, I I've, I've seen some really good Tennessee basketball teams, but I, I I to see a team that's this good despite having um, no guaranteed. NBA draft picks or first round draft picks on the roster, not a single guaranteed first round draft pick on that team. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think I looked this up. Fun fact they have six double digit scorers right now, six double digit average scorers right now. Even 95 96 Kentucky had just three. So what they're doing right now might be unprecedented in SEC history in terms of the number of, of like they're, they're sort of, they're very, People around uh, in this uh, red state might not like this. They're they're kind of socialists with their with their scoring. You know, everybody they got a whole bunch of guys that score. Oh boy, here we go. Oh, no, I'm just saying they got a bunch. They, they 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 really spread the wealth uh, when they're on offense. So and Wes, it, what Wes is saying is he's a proponent of that system. No, no, I'm just saying that's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do. It's I don't, I don't know any other way to describe it other than they they share the wealth offensively. You know, Come on, you can't. can't R.I.P. to the comments yeah, on this you one. You can't you can't throw that out there and not have me. The um, ball the ball doesn't get the ball doesn't get stuck. You know they they share it. They got a lot. They, they're I think number one nationally in assists uh, per game. They're just uh, not to derail further into basketball, but I will say this: I've made this point to other people a couple times recently, but I think this might be, and I've been following Tennessee sports in one form or fashion for about 25 years now. That makes me feel really old, but this might be the best Tennessee team besides women's basketball that I've ever seen in any sport. And that includes the 98 national championship team. Might be. I, I, there were, Tennessee had some really good football teams back in the day. Uh, one, ones that you knew when the game started that it was probably over, but like with this basketball team, there has been a sense of inevitability to almost every game they've played and they should you could even make an argument they should be undefeated. Yeah, no, they they played like garbage against against Kansas yeah. for most. If you go back and watch a lot of that film from that Kansas game, they didn't and still it, almost won. They they didn't play well. I the mean, moment, the moment for that game was too big. They kind of overhyped that game. It felt like it felt like they yeah. sort of hyped that hyped that game into a mm-hmm. into them playing tight. Yeah, I could see that. And we'll have we'll have plenty more discussion about them as uh, as we get to the Friday morning podcast and I don't know why my phone just keeps buzzing ever since we started this podcast. Huh. Don't worry, it's nothing important. It's incredibly unimportant things that really are not important. Stuck, stuck on a group text making fun. But what probably. It's probably we're talking about CrossFit, clearly. Um, <laughs> but when you look at football, and we'll get more basketball. Ramey and I will talk Friday morning for a podcast on that. But when you talk about Tennessee football, it has been really for this time of year. It's been a really pretty newsy time, and and honestly, good news for a Tennessee team that was five and seven, and Jeremy Pruitt's first season as the head coach. The the past couple weeks, bring aboard Big Jim Cheney as the offensive coordinator, and then, drum roll please, T Martin is back in town, and this is something that Tennessee fans have been screaming for for years. This is something that. Tennessee has at different times tried to make happen, but for whatever reason was not able to make it happen. Well, Jeremy Pruitt went and made it happen. Uh, the, the, the quarterback, the starting quarterback from Tennessee's 1998 national championship team that we just mentioned a second ago uh, was T. Martin, and now he is back at Tennessee. Don't know exactly 
what position he's going to coach yet because there's going to have to be some staff uh, movement in that front. Tennessee's got uh, uh, one too many cocks in the hen house right now, but uh, they're going to have to make a change there. But the bottom line is T. Martin is back in the program, and this is a guy who uh, I don't think his tenure as USC's offensive coordinator went the way he wanted it to go. Let's call that what it is. But he has consistently been on the rise throughout his coaching career, and I'm pretty sure he's established himself as one of the better recruiters out there, um, or or at least a really, really good recruiter. Uh, and he's a guy who's now, you know, because he spent some time at Kentucky, uh, he spent some time on the West Coast. Obviously, he knows people around this area. He can recruit a lot of different pockets, and I think that's going to be something that's going to be really big for this Tennessee team, this program. And honestly, just for, for PR, getting T. Martin back home is is a big win for Jeremy Pruitt, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, T is uh, – 2016, he was our national recruiter of the year at 24-7 sports. Um, so that clearly means he was the best in the country because we're, we're never wrong. It's, well, it's based on the numbers. It's based yeah, on who you're he, responsible for recruiting and that you that you sign. He's been uh, top five, I think, a couple times past two years. He's – he plummeted all the way and still remained inside the top 20. Yeah, so, so he's, he's still doing a pretty good he's job. He's been in the top 25 consecutive years, and from 2014 to 2016, he finished first or second all three years. Uh, it was second, second, then first the, the year you're talking about. So pretty impressive. Yeah, and um, looking back through some of his uh, – on our coaching profile pages on, on, on the site, we have uh, all-time commits, which I think is interesting. You can see who are the guys that – that certain coaches have brought in. He's been the primary or secondary recruiter for 11 five-stars, I think, all at USC. Uh, I think it's like something like 25 or 26 four-stars, too. It's a ridiculous number. Uh, I mean, now people will say, oh, well, One it's, of those four-stars was at Kentucky. <laughs> well, there you go. So it was 25 at USC, but uh, people will say, oh, it's easy to recruit at USC. You got California out there. Uh, it's it might that might be true but uh you know i don't think t was only pulling in he only he wasn't just pulling in wide receivers and he wasn't just pulling in guys from california i mean he, he got a dory jackson out of illinois uh, and then i think rasheen green is a offensive lineman defensive lineman? i can't remember anyways he, i think he's starting for the seahawks he's he's a guy that t brought in so uh, uh eman marshall too and and he's recruited some guys from from the southeast as well and brought them and brought Patrick's those reading this without west. notes by the way these are just names that he has remembered. Well, I did something sort of lengthy on T that ran Wednesday morning uh, on the site and uh, and so I was doing a lot of research over the last 12 18 hours on Tuesday night. So Green is a defensive um, lineman by the way. Green is defense. Okay. Uh, so he, again, he's recruited guys. Uh, he's from Mobile. T T's got you know he's still got a s- strong ties in Mobile where he's in the. That city's where, Sports Hall of Fame. That's where he's from. That's where he Jeremy played. Pruitt recruited there as an assistant uh, coach, too, so he's going to want to stay there. <clears throat> and then T got his coaching career started in Atlanta. He was at Morehouse, which is a Division II school, and then he was in um, at a, a couple of high schools. And I realized while, while he was in Atlanta, he was doing a lot of stuff with Elite 11 uh, and some Nike camps. So that's kind of how he got discovered. Uh, and, and I was reading something where he did an interview and said the way he got discovered was he was – at one of these camps coaching Mike, one of Mike Loxley's sons. And Loxley saw him and said, hey, I think you could be a good coach. And in 2009, Loxley went to New Mexico and hired him, hired T. And then uh, <coughs> began his year with the Lobos. Yeah, started with the Lobos. They didn't have a great year, but then one year later he was at uh, Kentucky. <coughs> Ironically, it was uh, one of his players who played quarterback the time that Kentucky snapped their 20-game, 26-game losing streak to Tennessee. Matt Rourke. Yep, Matt Rourke. Um, or Ro- Rourke, Roark. But then, you know, T gets this uh, 
you know, he's got this obviously this reputation as a recruiter, but he's coached a lot of really, really good wide receivers. Yes, um, he has. Over the course of his tenure, Randall Cobb, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, Marquise Lee was at the end of his USC mm-hmm. career. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, these new sensitive mics, Pat, are not are probably not, gonna pick not, that up. Not appreciating <clears throat> your 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 head cold or whatever this is. Oh uh, no, it's just it's just my. Um, I need to drink some water. Is what it is. Uh, Eating more CrossFit. Marquis Lee, <laughs> Prob- yes. Uh, Marquis Lee, Robert Woods, uh, Nelson Aguilar, could go on. Uh, I think there's probably somebody else I'm missing. Maybe I should go to my list. I think you did a pretty good job of recall there. Yeah, it's pre- I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. That, Those were definitely some of the biggest names. I think you hit the highlights. Robert Woods, did you mention him? I did say Robert yeah. Woods. Thanks for listening. Uh, uh, yeah. I, we're going to give him credit for Dory because Dory de- did play wide receiver. Some, yeah. Yeah, yeah, some, sure, he did. Uh, and, and T recruited him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deontay Burnett. And then even, um, you know. When, Burnett's when, a guy that Tyson Helton used to mention to recruits a lot, too. And, and T, uh, when he was the offensive coordinator, uh, last season or 2017, USC had a, one of their best seasons offensively. Sam Darnold was the first 4,000 4, yard passer in program history. They had a almost 1,600 yard rusher and 1,100 yard receiver. So they were putting up numbers and uh, had their best game, uh, best total offense average since 2005. We're talking about USC here. I mean, this is, this is a program that's had a lot of good players and a lot of really good quarterbacks over the course of uh, the past 20 years, take, you know, dating back to whenever Pete Carroll took over. But uh, so, and, and, you know, and he's coached for a lot of, you know, really good offensive minds too. I think mm-hmm. sometimes that's maybe a little bit overlooked with T is people just say, oh, he's a good recruiter and a position coach. But, uh, you know, Lane, Lane Kiffin's a regard as a very bright offensive mind. He was the one that hired, uh, T out at USC. Mm-hmm. And you, you think of all the, the turmoil that Tennessee's undergone. USC's had some turnover too. Yes, they have. Um, uh, Firing Lane midseason on the tarmac. Haven't quite gotten that thing figured whole, out since Pete left. The whole situation with Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, they brought him back. He lasted a, like 18 games. They had to fire him for off-field reasons. And with things uh, and with things going downward, uh, yeah, and he it, was and still it, a top 20 recruiter nationally last year. Uh, you know, interim interim coach Ed Orgeron for most of a season, and then yeah. Clay Helton was the interim on two different occasions, like once for a bowl game and then for the rest of the season after Sarkeesian left. So there's been a lot of turnover, and he's sort of been like the one. One guy that's been out there, and, and he had a, he had he had a few opportunities after leaving USC at the end of last season. So uh, this is a, a really really big addition for for Jeremy Pruitt, and we'll just see how the somebody's got to go. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. When, when I look at this staff as a whole, though, that T Martin was the he was the kind of guy that I thought they didn't really have on the initial staff. We talked about when they when they made those initial hires last year. I mean, first of all, you know, not every hire from the first round of hires that a coach makes is going to work out. You- yeah, and, and I would argue that, that Pruitt's numbers in terms of hits versus misses have yeah. been pretty good for a first-year mm-hmm. head coach. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're never going to bat a 1,000 on Yeah, him. and so so you always want to th- sell it as, hey, we've got this great staff, and I think he felt good about him. You didn't know, of course, at the time which ones were going to work, which ones weren't. But the one thing I think we've found over the last year is this staff has a lot of experienced guys, a lot of guys who are experienced, proven recruiters in the SEC – but it didn't really have an elite recruiter anywhere on the staff. Uh, Brian Niedermeyer, I think, is becoming one. Uh, he's showing this year that he he very well might be one of those guys and has been the best recruiter on this staff, I think, hands down so far. But now you add T. Martin to the mix, suddenly you've got a chance to win more of those big-time recruiting battles. They're already going to finish with a top 10 or top 15 class this year, it looks like. And now you add a guy like T. Martin to the mix, you, you suddenly got a better chance of 
uh, of going toe to toe with Georgia and Alabama all the time. Yeah, I, so. think, I think you put Niedermeyer and Martin on on a couple of the biggest priority kids, mm-hmm. maybe, and and that that's a heck of a tag team to throw at somebody because and, Niedermeyer, for whatever reason, people just recruits just love the kid. He's I young, mean, they he's just funny, love yeah. the guy that he seems to relate to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think honestly, candidly, I think the fact that he's single and doesn't have a family yet, he's he's able to pretty much work his life right now for him, and he's able to go. And not that it's not for those other guys, but. You know, he's a guy who basically he's married to the game. I mean, he's out there yeah. every second that he's not coaching the game. He's recruiting. I mean, it's I sometimes jokingly wonder what that guy does like during the couple days a year where they don't recruit very much. I'm like, what 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 do you do then? You know, do yeah. you, you know do you do something crazy like sleep till six a.m. or like what you know what what what's the guy doing? So I, it's. Um, but you take a guy like him and a guy like T together on some guys, yeah, I, I wouldn't consider myself a recruiting expert, but I think I've got common sense, and, and that that's a pretty good duo. And, and T has the reputation of being maybe one of the ten best recruiters in the country when you just look at the year after year. I mean, five straight years of being in the top 20, that's not a fluky year where you just got a bunch of guys and things fell your way. That's year after year you're getting good players, even when USC has not been at its, at its best. So. I think all that suggests he's going to be a very good recruiter for Tennessee. He did a solid job at Kentucky, and that's how he kind of got the USC job is he developed a reputation at Kentucky for recruiting well on a staff under Joker Phillips that otherwise didn't recruit that well and was brought in to recruit. T was kind of the guy who actually did that. Um, And and where he has ties, a very big deal to me, that he's worked in Atlanta before so he can help you recruit Atlanta. Tennessee got a bunch of players out of Georgia in the 2019 class, but they didn't. They didn't get some of the very best guys in Atlanta. They were in it for a lot of them. They got Wanye Morris. They got Ramel Keaton. A lot of the other higher-ranked guys went to other schools, and that's that's going to happen. You're not going to load up on Atlanta kids. But yeah. if you can steal even a couple more of those elite-type players that are going to Georgia and Alabama and Auburn and schools like that every year, Clemson, if you can win a couple more of those battles, that's a that's a difference-making kind of change for your program. So, T. Martin, I, I would think if you're Tennessee and you're getting four or five kids from yeah. the Atlanta area that most everybody wants, right. that's a good year. Exactly. And so, so yeah, if Tennessee can can do a little more damage in Atlanta with T. Martin, that can that can make a huge difference. Uh, and obviously, he's recruited he knows Mobile, he knows other parts of Alabama. So, those are two states that are important. He's also recruited South Florida, so that's another another area that he could handle if need be. And I thought this was interesting, talking with Ryan Abraham from our USC side, a guy who's been in the business for a long time, does a great job out there. I, I thought it was really interesting to note that he said, I mean, not only was T. Martin given the L.A. area, which is obviously a huge deal to USC, they've got to recruit in their home home base very well, but he said he did very well. He was essentially did some of his best work in inner cities, uh, went, and, and that's that's the kind of background experience that can help out a lot in, in other areas in the eastern U.S., so you could send him to to other places that have similar backgrounds, and he can do well there, I think, because he can relate to those types and, of kids and from another, his background. Another thing I think he could do is, if you think about, you know, locally here around this area, people, you know, Tennessee's not going to get everyone it wants around here locally, but it's probably going to get more than it misses in terms of guys locally mm-hmm. that it wants. Uh, there's always going to be some kids who want to go away for school, and you, you can't do anything about that. That's just kids being kids, but... I think when you look at the average high school player now and what the age of their parents, if they're around this area and T freaking Martin walks into that parent's living room to talk about their kid playing for Tennessee, uh, that's going to be an emotional tug for a lot of people around here. And I, I think, would, I think locally T Martin's going to be able to let, let's just say that you got a situation where you got a local kid who's on the fence, you know, he, he maybe thinks about going to a Bama or a Clemson or Stanford or something you know, or Notre Dame or whatever, and 
but he still is considering Tennessee, and it's kind of a coin flip. Let T. Martin go in that living room and talk to the parents, and I bet there's a decent chance that he can change their mind. And because of that, I'm – I mean, we'll see what Jeremy Pruitt does. If, I, if I'm Jeremy Pruitt, I'm using him somewhere in state. I'm putting him in Nashville or Memphis or both um, because of, you know, he, his name – He's got some name recognition, and, and that 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 can help. And and again, the fact that he's recruited big cities before and, and done well, I think that's going to play well in Memphis. That's going to play well in Nashville, Atlanta, all those places. So, yeah, I think he I think he he gives you a lot more. He opens a lot more doors in recruiting than probably any anybody else they've they've had uh, just based on his resume. And that's that's a big deal. So to get a guy like that, and Abraham pointed out that the fact that he developed his receivers when he got them to USC, he thought that sold to wide receivers what he could do with them and the fact that he put all these guys in the NFL I mean T Martin being able to sell Juju Smith-Schuster Nelson Aguilar all those guys who've made it to the NFL that's a big deal so lots of things that, that this does for Tennessee yeah, and, staff and recruiting it's sort of like the three-point shot in basketball once one guy starts making a couple of them sometimes you'll see a whole team start making them and, and if you can get hot early on the trail and you can do some things you can kind of get the word out there and you can start building a monster class and, and you can you know, kind of because kids these days, I mean, they're kind of following that whole. They want to play with great players. Ever, ever since that, I mean, not that it wasn't this way before, but ever since the the Miami Heat and that whole trio and you saw the Super Team era start and now with the Warriors and all that, guys just want to play with other great players. And so, you know, I, I think you've got in some cases guys who are okay with being a little more unselfish if it means they get to play for a really good team and with great players. Well, and as, as Barton Simmons said, you've got to have wins to get – to, to really get things going in recruiting, you got to have some, some sure. on-field results to sell. But in the meantime, having elite recruiters can help you kind of jumpstart things. And that's what this this hire potentially does for Tennessee. Yeah, and I think it is important before we mention about other things that I, I do think we, we need to not – you know, it's easy to, to, to look at the recruiting results T. Martin has gotten and say, oh, he's a great recruiter. I think that maybe sells him a little short because I do think, like you said, he has helped develop some guys who very clearly expanded their games at the college level and turned themselves into professional players. And he's done his job there too. So there's a reason he got a chance to be an offensive coordinator too. Yeah. And, 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 you know, USC had a lot of different problems this season. I don't think you could pin them all on the offense or all on a specific position. I mean, they lost Sam Darnold and then they struggled and they went through a transition year and it didn't go well. And I don't know that that's anybody's, any specific coach's fault necessarily. So I, I think that that's – Totally agree. Yeah, yeah, I think if you look at the entire – you know, take take a step back and look at the entire picture of his coaching career, um, I, I, I look at it the same way I look at Bob Shoup. Like, do you take do you take those couple years at Tennessee and say, oh, he's overrated as a coach? Or do you say, no, every other place he's ever been in his career, he's been a really good defensive coach, so he's probably still a really good defensive coach. I, I think – it's important to note that just because T Martin was on the market this time, and that might be the reason they made it happen this time because they tried mm-hmm. before and he, he already had really good jobs and, and he had, he had opportunities this time too. There are other people who want Alabama him. was sniffing yeah. around. I mean, there were, there was plenty of interest there. I don't want to sell it short at all, but I, I mean, just the fact that he actually was on the market this time, doesn't mean that he's not as respected as he was a year or two years ago well, or five years ago. And what I think is different this time, frankly, is, who the boss man is. I, I think the fact that Philip Fulmer is running the ship now is a huge, at least a significant reason that T. Martin was was able to to make it work this time. And by the way, credit to Pruitt. I wrote a column about this, but credit him for, you know, understanding that, you know, he, he comes from the tree he comes from, and he comes from that Bama tree and that saving tree, but that he knows where he is. And if you can get, a, you know, the most important thing is getting good coaches. 
But if you can assimilate, you know, some different pieces from different parts, including from that Tennessee family, he's not been afraid from the beginning. Because a lot of people would have said, I don't know if I want to go work for Philip Fulmer at Tennessee. You know, Pruitt didn't flinch. Uh, when, when Terry Fair was recommended to him as a guy who could coach, he said, cool, I'll go talk to him. When he talked to him, he said, yeah, I like that guy. I'll take him. And then when T. Martin came available, you know, he could have been like, I don't know if I want to bring T. back here with, you know, all, all the ties here locally. And then if something doesn't work out and I have to get rid of him, is that bad for me? He didn't worry about that. He, he said, I, I think this guy's going to help my program. And the fact that he's from Tennessee is a good thing. So he's, he's not just kind of sticking to his own. He's, he's branching out, and he's sort of marrying his philosophy with sort of that Tennessee family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. To me, that's a sign that a guy gets it because he wants to – he wants people around this program who have been around this program before when it was really good because they might have some insight into some things that maybe he doesn't in terms of, you know – what. and I know Pruitt's not always the most PR well, that, that's the, conscious guy I was, out I was there. Gonna t- I was going to make the more cynical point that – uh, I, I got asked, I did a radio show in Nashville on Tuesday morning and was asked <clears throat> sort of about all the times in the past how many years that Tennessee has done something stupid PR wise and there's been a lot of yeah a lot of instances a of lot that, of that and a lot of that and, and <clears throat> was asked about Pruitt doing a couple things really good PR wise with hiring Jim Cheney and T Martin and Pruitt. I think we can all say he's not really enamored with what the perception of his program is. No, he didn't care. He wants to win, and he and he thinks that the best way to do that is to hire the best coaches he can get. And so that's why he went out and got a guy in Jim Chaney that uh, he views as one of the the best offensive coordinators and play callers in college football. That's why he went out and and got a guy that yes has a lot of uh, he's he's a native son. People around here in, in Knoxville still love T. Martin because of what he did for this program as a player, but he's also a really good recruiter and a, and a proven coach. That's done it at, at a at a major program with a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure. That's why. I mean, this is um, that he, he didn't hire T because T played quarterback here. He hired T because he's a really good coach. But I, but, I, but I think the fact that he did true. No, and your points are your points are aren't. Are, no, no, no. Right. I, no, I I think uh, it, it's again, uh, if, Pat. If you think my points are wrong, you just go right out and say they're uh, wrong. You, you, right. hey, you know that if I think you're wrong, I will. Tell you. Let's, let's face it, part of it's probably, and I'll, I'll be interested to hear what Jeremy Pruitt has to say about it, he's been in head-to-head recruiting battles with T. Martin. His name has come up on the recruiting trail, I'm sure, and so he's he's well aware of his perception out there as a recruiter, and that's when you hear a guy like that and see the results he gets, it's hard to ar- argue with that kind of resume. Well, and now I don't want to I don't want to, uh, to to speculate too much on this because you know that there are places you can go in this market if you want pure speculation, and what we do is not that. But I do think that if you you can look at this very honestly and you can say, hey, they have one too many full-time coaches right now on the staff. So somebody's going to have to go. Uh, pretty sure it's going to have to be somebody on offense. So you can say that let's just be honest about this. Unless Will Friend wants to leave, it's not going to be Will Friend. Yeah. And unless Brian Niedermeyer wants to leave, it's not going to be Brian Niedermeyer. And, and let's say this, Niedermeyer, I mean, you never know at this point who might leave on either side of the ball for that matter. So any, uh, anyone assuming they've got it figured out, we don't know. We don't know. Charles Kelly's name has been thrown out there in a, in a job search or two. He, could he get a defensive coordinator job or something? So, I, But then then how do you but, arrange but, the staff? So what I was saying is Niedermeyer is actually a guy, as Pruitt's pointed out before, who could coach on either side of the ball almost any position. He thinks he's just a football coach. So something to keep in mind there is he's just a glue guy. He's somewhere on the staff, and it probably doesn't it, matter where. And, and we should point out that Niedermeyer probably won't be the lowest-paid coach on no. the staff. 
for much longer. I don't think so. Um, no, no. After you, I you, think you, they'll you, take care you, of him. Yeah, you turned on opportunities they to leave, already. and you put up a year like he has on the trail, and you also, you know, uh, have as much um, kind of, put, you know, you, you show the value that he's had, and you also turned on opportunities to leave. You're 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 going to get paid. But I mean, let's it, be honest. I mean, it's probably it, okay. No, I mean, just going back to the you know, looking at the offensive staff, and that's where T's going to be. As we said, Will Friend's not going anywhere. Brian Niedermeyer's not going anywhere. Uh, and so th- that leaves Chris Winkie and David Johnson. Um, now, it's worth pointing out David Johnson has coached other positions before. He's the yes. current wide receivers coach. Yes. Uh, I-, I would be surprised if T is anything other than the wide receivers coach at this point. Um, and, and might have like coach might quarterbacks. Have, yeah, might past. have some kind of fancy. He might have some kind of fancy pass game or run game coordinator or something like that. I wonder but. if you almost have to do that. We'll see what he's paid, and part of that could be you know USC's salary. What they owe him might mitigate much much of what Tennessee has to pay him for the first couple I, of years. I've, I've heard that they could be getting him at a discount, yeah. which is impressive considering that he had multiple opportunities. Uh, and we don't know what he's making. Yeah, USC. USC's yeah. a private school, so but he might have been getting paid a million plus there. It's two more years uh, for that USC's going to be paying him. As, mm-hmm. And we don't know what all the details of that contract are. He could be getting the full salary from, from them. Also, difference in state income tax probably matters. Somehow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he had uh, Alabama has a receivers coach open. Um, you know, Maryland, Michael Oxley's trying to put together that staff. And, and Oxley's a guy sure, that, he that, would got, be interested, that, yeah. that got Martin into coaching a, a long time ago. Um, he got mentioned from Miami. I don't know how serious that was. And then Georgia Tech, I think, has had a, some interest in him this offseason. A new coach there trying to put his staff together. Uh, he, he would have made a lot of sense on that staff, given his ties to that city. So uh, he, he had a few opportunities. So that's why, if you're wondering why, would Tennessee go ahead and, and say and let it out that they're hiring him while they've still got a full staff? Well, that's why. If you've got a good coach on the market, you got to go and, and lock him down and get him, uh, get him signed to a deal before you know what when you have the opportunity and then let the cards or chips yeah. fall where they may and, and, and there's you know there's a chance that maybe one coach leaves from tennessee staff there's a chance there could be more than one so yeah and i think i think it's pruitt, all very fluid yeah i think pruitt has a pretty good idea from that group of coaches who might be you know you don't make that move without knowing no you 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 know something's gonna happen and i honestly believe that pruitt um I think once these guys coach for him, even if they're not great fits, I'm starting to get the idea that that he sort of still cares about them and makes sure they land on their feet somewhere, and which is a good trait well, to this, have because this is, this because is new the territory way, for him. But yeah, but but I mean, I think you've you've seen now with the the way the whole thing with Helton went down that he, you know, waited a little bit until it was announced that Western Kentucky was going to hire him as the head coach. When I think he could have. Basically, been like as soon as the season is over, okay, I'm parting ways with this guy. He waited until he found another job somewhere else before he said anything. And I think that that was some class. And I and I think the way that that's sort of the reputation that I that that I think Pruitt has with some of the people within the business is that he's a coach's coach, and he comes from that that Saban system of don't talk about other coaches, you know, treat other coaches publicly with with respect. And, and I think he's. It's just good to see him do that because I think the way that you treat people uh, comes back around on you, whether it's good or bad. And, and I think it's good to see that that he's he's doing some of that stuff. So I think he's doing right by some of these guys, and I think yeah. that's that's worth mentioning. I, I think. I think one thing that if I'm a Tennessee fan, what I'm most encouraged about this hire and and just how he's handled this whole off season, it's not just that he hired T. Martin. It's not just that he hired Jim Cheney. It's how opportunistic he's been in in replacing guys yep. and upgrading his staff. Uh, last year, 
I think he felt like he put together a pretty good staff. I, I think he, sure, he didn't, he had not worked with Tyson Helton before, but I think he felt under, under the circumstances it was a good hire. The fit didn't work out as it turned out, and that that's going to happen. But I think he felt that was a pretty good hire and paid him one point two million dollars to show it. Well, he quickly rectified that, and I think we all thought even if he hadn't gotten the Western Kentucky job, that they might have parted ways eventually, one way or another. So, assuming that's the case, he jumps on Jim Cheney in an offseason where Cheney, obviously the, the situation was right for Cheney to leave Georgia. And he, may, he makes an aggressive move, pays him, makes him the highest paid currently offensive coordinator in the country and makes it happen. And then T Martin on the market, he doesn't even have a wide receivers coach out the door right now. He goes and gets him says, you know, we've got, we'll figure it out or we're in the process of figuring it out. But in the meantime, we're getting you on staff and yeah. to make those kinds of moves. That's, that says a lot to me as a ten- if I'm a Tennessee fan and look at that, I, I'm very encouraged that Jeremy Pruitt's yeah. making those kinds it, of moves. It, 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 shows, it shows that he's, I don't want to say learning, but he show it kind of suggests to me that willing to be uh, aggressive. Yeah, that, one year, one year in, and and for Pruitt, I think, I think he maybe went into last season thinking the situation was better than it was. Yeah, he maybe had higher hopes for them, maybe behind the scenes than uh, because all he'd ever what, done is win in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at any situation if you're him and say, well, I can make this work. Yeah. Uh, and then I you can get do in, this. And then you get into the season and you realize what the situation is, and you're like, okay, we got a long way to go if we're going to, you know, you, you know, he's used to winning on Alabama levels. And Tennessee well, and is a Florida far, State and Georgia far, cry, Tennessee is a far, far cry from that right now. Uh, they need to, like, beat South Carolina and Missouri and Kentucky first. Yeah, I think Vanderbilt, I'll... actually. Yeah. They need to beat those teams before they can say, all right, let's go to the top of the division. And, and you look at both of these moves with Cheney, it's, okay, we need to upgrade. I need a, I need a play caller that I can – that I know is, can get it done, that I can trust, and that will command a staff and, and run the show on that side of the ball so I don't have to worry about it uh, so I can focus my time and energy on recruiting and, and on this defense. And then he – you know, I, I think this is a good recruiting class for him. But I think he knows that they need to do more. They need a great um, recruiting class. And, and I don't think it's fair to expect Tennessee to recruit on the level that Alabama and Georgia currently are because nobody is. I mean, you look at our recruiting rankings, it's Alabama, big gap, Georgia, bigger gap. And then I think Texas A&M right now is third. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's those two and everybody else. I mean, it's almost like uh, those two programs are at a, just a recruiting and, and – uh, at an entirely different yeah, level than even LSU's not at that level. Yeah, no. and LSU's in the top five. I yeah. mean, and, and so um, you know, I think Pruitt knows that he needed to get another uh, grinder, sort of uh, you know, big time recruiter who can, uh, as you pointed out, Ryan, and talking to Barton Simmons, can win some big battles yep. and get you some big guys, and, and a guy that um, that has you know has done recruiting and is and, and enjoys it sort of as much as Pruitt does because Pruitt. He's hit the road really hard in December, and he's hit it, you know, I think pretty hard in January. He's however many days they let the head coaches go on the road. You can go on the road. He's, as, ma- he's maxing them out. Yeah. Those periods that that ca- the head coaches can, because that's that's how he sort of made his name and sort of got his career rolling as head coach, and that's or as a coach, and that's that's what he's not going to change his approach now. He's a head that, coach. yeah, really quickly about you were talking about the practicality. Um, both of y'all were a little bit, and I think Pruitt does have some of those. You, you know, traits where it's like if you're out there in the wilderness and there's like a bear nearby, you're like, you know, I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just have to be faster than the slowest guy in this group. Uh, and, and I think Pruitt's kind of got some of that, some of that in him, that whole, wait, you know what? If I can get him now, I'm going to go ahead and get him now. Cause I might not be able to get him in six months. I might not be able to get him next year, but I can get him right now. So I'm going to get him right now. And, and I think that that's the sort of shrewd business move that if you're Tennessee, you kind of have to take those calculated chances right now 
Well, not, I, or, because it's either that or you just pay out of your backside for everybody yeah. and credit also to because even if you get T Martin at a discounted rate, you're gonna have to pay a pretty penny for him. And with Cheney, you know, you had to pay a pretty penny and you had to pay that buyout. And for all those who have said, you know, if Tennessee just would spend like the big boys and do some of this other stuff, okay, well, Tennessee's doing that now. So when Phil Fulmer said that, he said, I'm going to get football fixed and then we'll do some other stuff, he was not kidding. Uh, Tennessee, if Tennessee does not get this football thing back on track, it will not be because of a lack of money. They have put money into things that they need to put money into. And they have started. I think repairing some of the foundation issues because of that, because there were some things that had been peppered over for a while and Tennessee was in a difficult financial situation there for a while. Let's just be honest about that. Some of the projects that they took over, um, you know, construction costs changed and and they probably didn't get as much donor money as they wanted to. I think sort of the the housing bubble there in in 08 and all that, I think that really uh, took some people who were prominent boosters and, and took a lot of money out of their pockets which hurt Tennessee for a little bit. So Tennessee was not in a guaranteed good financial situation for a while there. I think the SEC network money came in and helped, and I think some other things have stabilized it. But Philip Fulmer has come in, and and they've spent money on this football thing. They're going to get this thing fixed. And, and, you know, they're going to try. And and I compare it to what Butch Jones did with Tennessee because I think one of the mistakes that we all agreed in hindsight that he made was he made – Taking the job? (laughs) Well, he – he waited too long to make some changes to his staff. I thought um, going into his final year, he had too much turnover, probably. But he, you know, he he, he moves Steve Stripling into an off-field role. He he gets rid of Don Mahoney and and makes Walt Wells the offensive line coach. Uh, moves like that uh, that that he maybe could have made sooner, and, and it might have helped him. You know, he also could have he also could have kept Sam Pittman. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. So so things like that though, and he waited till a make-or-break year, essentially, to sort of rectify that when they didn't live up to expectations in 2016. Now, to be fair, you didn't have a disappointing year that led you to believe that, but there were signs behind the scenes of reasons they maybe should have made those moves. Well, I think Jeremy Pruitt has seen some reasons behind the scenes to make some changes to his staff, and what do you know? He's doing something about it after year one. So, to his credit, he is he is seeing problems, identifying them, and working to fix them. And that's, to me, I, I thought, you know, a year ago, I was like, I, th- I think the Jeremy Pruitt hire has a lot of potential, but let's see how he adjusts to whatever issues show up with his staff. Will he be willing to get rid of his buddies and the guys he hired and trusted from day one? And and right now this shows that he is willing to make upgrades when necessary. Yeah, and, and we will have more coverage on the on all the, the staff stuff as it comes out. I mean, I think we've had a pretty good track record so far this offseason of saying like, all right, when something happens with the staff, we're going to let you know. Uh, we, we've been tracking all of it down. We're, we're searching all the angles under every rock. We're – we're looking, and we're going to bring you all that news as soon as, as soon as we have it. But there is some other news out there this week. We'll probably end this podcast, I'm guessing, with some recruiting stuff. But we do need to talk about the fancy schmancy uh, Marvel Comics Are we about NCAA, to NCAA transfer portal. Are we about to portal? Start portaling? Yeah, that's uh, – and by the way, you know, thank you, NCAA, for being so dumb that you gave this such a dumb name that it's going to be such a great joke for so long. I think technically, Please. technically, the official name is the Transfer Database. Then, but then the portal who started, sounds so cool. Who started calling it the well, portal? Uh, in something that the NCA released about the portal, they said it, they referred to it as a database. But if you look at uh, from screenshots I've seen, I don't have access to the actual thing. Um, but from screenshots I've seen, it actually says NCA and it says Transfer Portal. Yes. So, 
And we at twenty four seven Sports have a pretty sweet graphic. Yes, um, go check out my Twitter. My only problem with it is uh, it's it's a it's a picture. It's a JPEG and not an actual GIF, which I think could be so much better with spinning lights and stuff. Well, yeah, you need like to tell it, our graphics people to I get on that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it because they, they're talented. They love, they love my suggestions. So yeah, I think we'll be like, hey, hey guys, hey Ted and all y'all, why don't you, why don't you go out there and uh, can you, can you expand your game to some GIFs a little bit? That would be kind of neat. But yeah, I, I think that. We've seen this now. Tennessee has what? What's the what's the total up to now of, of people in the transfer portal um, that we know of? I think we know there's two. We know Drew Richmond and Eli Wolf are in there, yeah. um, and I believe Latrell Williams is in there too. I don't know if Jordan Allen is still in there or not. Jordan Allen put um, his name in there, and then his mama says his, uh-uh. his name might still be in there, but he's he's staying. And and Jordan Allen's mom, who is by the way, mom of the century. Uh, came out there and basically said, no, we don't quit. No, you, I know I'm sick, but you're not going to come home to California. You're going to stay there, and you're going to play, and you're going to win games there. So credit to her. That was a, a really – if you want to search uh, Jordan Allen uh, on our 24-7 database, uh, not, not, not the 24-7 portal, the 24-7 sports database, uh, you can look under him, or you can probably just type Jordan Allen 24-7, and you will see the, the quotes from his mom talking about why he, there, he wasn't going to quit and go somewhere else and – very very cool, but but that one was in the that one was in the system and then pulled out of it. I think Latrell Williams is still in it, and then obviously, uh, as far as we know, uh, Eli Wolf and Drew Richmond are are in there. And the portal does not mean you are guaranteed to transfer. What the portal Correct. does, um, I'm trying to remember all this from what I've I've, I've read about. I mean, it. schools can contact you. Basically, it, it sort of eliminates the old system where if you were a player, you had to request permission to speak with other schools from your coach and your coaches or your administrators or your current school could block you from even having contact with certain um, programs. So I I think there are still parameters on where people can transfer to. Um, Although that that I'm not really sure. But what the portal does is... is Those those are some conference rules too. That's what I'm saying. There's conference rules where, you know, I, I don't know if we'll see a bunch of movement within the SEC. Uh, like in, in Drew Richmond's case, and, and Drew Richmond, I think will probably be a grad transfer as well. Wolf, but uh, if you're a player and you have you want to explore your options, you can tell your current program, "Hey, I'm looking and I want to look into a transfer." And your program has to put your name in the in the portal. And the portal is accessible for coaches, and they can contact you, and um, and that gives you a chance to explore your options. It doesn't mean you're transferring, um, as we touched on with the Allen situation. So just because you're in the portal doesn't mean you're definitely gone, but um, in the case for the, the players that are in there now for Tennessee, I would, would think that they are going to be leaving. I mean, it looks, sounds like Drew Richmond has one foot out the door. Um, sounds like Wolf, he's got, almost got two feet out the door. Yeah, Wolf uh, probably will, will want to go somewhere where he's going to play more. Yep. Uh, Tennessee's tight end situation is like a lot of, a lot of people in there right now. And everything Eli Wolf's uh, is, given to the Tennessee program – uh, if he wants to go, he, 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 he should be given. He, he should be given every opportunity to go. And for him, he, it's about finding a fit that's you know for his final season. He probably wants to play somewhere that's a little bit better fit for him, Correct. where he's not being asked to block all the time and play fullback, because um, that's that's not what he's. No, he that's ne- not his strength. He's a flex tight end. He needs um, to be able to do that. And so, yeah, and and we'll see what happens with Richmond. I think there's some some power five programs that will be interested in him, and because um, they'll think they can fix it. <laughs> You couldn't help yourself, could you? Um, I, watch the I, film. Watch the film. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, watch him get drafted next year. 
and have a great year. And, and speaking of that, already, maybe, already, he just, maybe he just needed a fresh start somewhere. It already sounds like Kyle Phillips is is doing pretty well at the Shrine Game practices. So there you go. It's another potentially another player that's going to blossom after leaving Tennessee. If he can stay healthy, I like his chances um, of making a roster, whether it's an undrafted free agent or and, what. And Kyle Phillips might be Tennessee's best chance of having a player drafted this yeah. year. Let's be frank; that's where the situation is. But Richmond, correct. Neither of those. Uh, Alexis Johnson maybe a dark horse. I've said, all, I've said all year I think Alexis Johnson has a chance. Rich, Probably not drafted. Richmond but. and Wolf are they have not graduated, um, but they both started in 2015 and were not early enrollees. So this their normal four year plan of college would be have them graduating in May, and so that would open the chance for them to uh, be graduate transfers and play somewhere else their fifth year and be uh, immediately eligible. So now, now I think can we agree that the Wolf thing is not much of a surprise because he needs to go to a system that fits him better. But the thing with Richmond, I mean, did he worry that he was not going to have his starting spot next year if Tennessee, you know, adds Morris and Darnell Wright? I mean, is that is that what he's worried about? Because I think, because I mean, he, he was probably. I think you know you can say I mean his his consistency issues are just maddening, and the his false starts and his penalties are, are just frustrating. But you know, Tennessee was still in a position next year where it probably had to start him. I, I wouldn't say that, though, because I, I don't think you count on, even if you get Darnell right, I don't think you count on two freshmen starting at tackle. But if I'm Drew Richmond, from his perspective, I do, I mean, I don't know this. I don't know what came up in their conversations, uh, his talks with Tennessee before he decided. I do, to, I do know he thought about going pro, which was just yeah, the worst idea that I've it ever heard. probably would have been bad, but um, we've seen worse. I mean, Tyler Bray went pro and then didn't get drafted. Hey, Tyler Bray's still in the NFL, so yeah. don't you be hating on that's true, but he, breezy. True, but he didn't get drafted. Yeah. That, that cost him some money up front. He's sure. still making money. He is pretty good money to be a number three or number two quarterback. Hey, at times. Easy breezy, beautiful football thrower. <laughs> um, but Sling that tater. Um, what are we talking about though? I lost my uh, point. Drew Richmond. Oh, but but Drew Richmond in his conversation with Tennessee, I don't know what came up, but I from his perspective, I would be worried about the fact that you're bringing in two five star players potentially if they get Darnell right at my position, and. Jameer Johnson was recruited initially to be a tackle. And Nathan Niehaus can play tackle, too. And they yeah, like him. so you've got other guys. It's going to be more competition. And I wouldn't want a guarantee that I'm going to start, but I'd want some pretty good explanation of what the coach is expected to happen this year. And if it didn't include me starting, I would want to go elsewhere because I would be worried that I'm going to – I mean, yeah, it's your last year. You want yeah, to play. Yeah, I'm going to start. I'm going to stay yeah. there as a fifth-year senior, and if I'm even a part-time starter, I'm hurting my chances of making money in the NFL. Or maybe so. maybe the, the the directness of this coaching staff yeah, is something that, that he didn't love. I mean, it's not. there's different ways to coach or, different guys. Or maybe they were direct with him about the fact that they couldn't guarantee him anything this year and that he might not start. And maybe he just decided it was best to go elsewhere because of that. It's possible. I don't yeah. know that that happened, but I'm, it's possible. I'm, I mean, the kids put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into the program at Tennessee. I don't think people should just be kicking him out the door. But I, I, I do think they that, are, though. But I, I do think that if you are going to be in a situation, if you're going to perform as erratically as he's performed throughout his career, you better not go in the portal unless you're prepared to actually leave. Because the they do not give these people another reason to to come after you because. Hey, it is what it is. This is a fan base that expects a lot. And if you're a big-time prospect from this state and you do not perform as well as they think you should perform, you're going to hear it. Uh, you can't have a fan base that large um, and that passionate without getting the, the business end of it sometimes. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. We will see what happens with uh, Eli Wolf. although I think we can all agree that situation is different. That's a guy who came to Tennessee as a walk-on. Uh, when he had offers to go other places, he earned a scholarship. He became one of the team leaders, uh, and it just so happened that Tennessee brought in a coach who, uh, who had a system that did not fit his game. And, and that's in a situation like that, 
a guy ought to be able to go somewhere where they're going to spread the ball out a little bit more. And because I think in, in the right kind of offense, I still think he can be a nice player. I think he's a really athletic tight end. I think he can, he's got good ball skills. I think he can get uh, some separation and make some plays. I, I think at, at, that, at the tight end position, I think he's a good player. He's a if West Ninja have, for sure. Yeah. If you, if you put him in the right. Drew system. Richmond is not a West Ninja. Nope. If you guys couldn't have figured that out by now. Well, no. If you want to be uh, uh, one of my ninjas, you have to understand that if you're an offensive tackle, you need to line up uh, right next to where the guard is. <laughs> What about let's see? Let's. This is what you do if you're an offensive tackle. How's, how's Austin Smith doing? He's one of your ninjas. Yeah, he's 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 he's, he's let Corte? me down. How's Corte Sab doing? Still in the right system, could be a fine player. <laughs> I, I think if you he's clinging. If you are a a tackle, clutching those pearls, you line up not in front of your guard. Hey, here's the either thing: either right on Wait. or behind your guard. And and what you do is then you don't move until he moves. That that is that, to me that's like. So you're just focusing on the negative. See, this is this, he's from Memphis. That's, that's the reason you're – I'm going to make this a Memphis thing. You mean like you, the city my brother lives in now? If he's from Nashville, you'd be saying it. Tennessee doesn't need to lose him. You'll like this, Patrick. My brother had his first welcome to Memphis moment a couple weeks ago when he uh, – there was a uh, some sort of uh, – someone had stolen a car or something and driven it like right into like his uh, condo complex. <laughs> and he was like, I guess this is my welcome to Memphis moment. So, uh, yeah, that was – uh, What are you trying to say, Wes? Uh, that uh, you know, here's, if you if you want to live in certain parts of Memphis, you're gonna you gotta know what you got you gotta know what you're getting into. That's true. It, here's my thing on Richmond. He was one of Tennessee's lowest. And graded, I love Memphis, by the way. He he was one of Tennessee's lowest graded players per uh, according to Pro Football Focus last season, like bottom two or three on mm-hmm. the entire offense. Yep, really bad. Uh, in this season, in terms of the grades, yes, he had a lot of penalties. Uh, yes, there were times he didn't line up on the line. Yes, he false started all that stuff, but his his grades were considerably higher. So there were signs of improvement, and you know, but like like I said, if you're him and you're not getting guarantees that you're going to start, and and I don't I don't think the staff should be guaranteeing anybody anything at this point because they're bringing in a lot of young talent and a lot of guys that are going to be competing, and uh, and and Jeremy Pruitt wants as much competition as he can get anywhere, just as any coach does. And if you're Richmond and you have concerns about that, then you should, you know, you're within your rights to explore your options. Well, and if you've gotten to the point where you can graduate and, and play your fifth year immediately eligible, why not find a better situation for yourself? Think, if think that's about what it. you think yeah, the situation th- is. Think about it from Richmond's standpoint. Even if Tennessee did tell him, yeah, you're probably going to start or, 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 or wasn't willing to say anything about the situation, imagine it in your head. That they're signing two five-star players potentially at your position again if Tennessee gets Darnell Wright. Ryan, you just get. Well, never mind. But right now it looks good. You're screen, right, right, guaranteed. Reading between the lines. But if you're Drew Richmond and you know, you know everything about Darnell Wright's recruitment and you see that as a real possibility, even if he's the starter five or six games into the season, who's to say that Darnell Wright's on the bench? Richmond has a bad game and they don't just decide. You know what? Let's just go ahead and make the change and put Darnell Wright in the lineup. I mean, that, that's a real possibility. Or Wanye Morris in the lineup, and then take him out. So knowing that possibility is out there, I, I, I don't blame Richmond for looking around. I'm still a little bit angry that Patrick thinks that he's, he can turn me anti-Memphis because I'm, <laughs> I'm just not. I'm just not. I love the city of Memphis. Well, then let's get out of the Memphis-Nashville debate and talk about a guy from Murfreesboro. Which one of the guys from Murfreesboro do you want to talk about? You know which one I want to talk about, Wes. Do you want to talk about the dog? Let's talk about the dog. Jawan Jennings, who, uh, you know, and, and by the way, thank you to Jawan Jennings for making this decision because that means that we don't have to change the Go Balls 24-7 <laughs> podcast bumper. We can still uh, use Music it. for a while. We can still use that for another year because, uh, you know, long live Uncle Vern. But if 
if there was any doubt that Juwan Jennings was uh, was debating about going to the NFL, now we know for sure that he was because he's announced that he has decided to come back to Tennessee for his senior season, and he has missed the deadline to declare for the draft. So guess what? He is coming back now. There is no doubt about it. Jawan Jennings will be, guys, Jawan Jennings will be a fifth-year senior at the University of Tennessee. And if you had told me five years ago that Jawan Jennings would go to Tennessee for five years, I would have said, I will bet you my entire bank account that that won't happen. So I would have lost a lot of money. But congratulations uh, out there, Tennessee fans. You will get your dog back for one more season. And he's like UT online directory official. Like he's 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 listed as having role official. Yes. Official. Um, so and, and he he came out on Instagram and announced it on on Monday night. And uh, Juwan had had gotten as Drew Richmond did too. I, I should mention both those guys got uh, evaluations back from the uh, NFL Draft Advisor Committee. I don't think either of them got. To, very good grades because they're looking at playing in college or Jennings has decided to stay and Richmond is looking to play elsewhere. Um, but Jennings was weighing some options. And, and as you mentioned, Wes, he was not a guy that probably when he got to Tennessee planned to be here for five years, but you know, he had, he had the wrist injury his junior season when a lot of people thought that was going to be his last season. And so he uh, takes a red shirt that year. And, and last year he played through a bunch of injuries too. And I don't think he was the best version of himself. Um, he had, he had his knee scoped, missed a lot of the offseason, had, had, a, had a shoulder deal in preseason. Uh, I think uh, – I can't remember which game it was. He hurt his ankle uh, and was sort of hobbled the last month of the season. So um, I think if you're Jawan, you know, he's an ultra-competitive guy. He may not have wanted to end his Tennessee career losing to Vanderbilt, which he hates Vanderbilt. I don't know if you guys remember his, his rant. But, uh, and, and I think he can be better as a, as a wide receiver than um, – than he than he was this season. So if he gets back to maybe like he was in 2016, and uh, with the quarterback coming back and, and Juwan Jennings or and, and Jared Garantano and a, and a new offensive coordinator Jim Chaney that's had some prolific passing offenses in the past, I think it makes sense for Juwan. I think there's a chance that even though he's not going to necessarily change the kind of receiver he is in one season, I think you know if he if he comes out and has a productive season and is better than he was uh, in 2018, then he can improve his stock at the next level and. We know what he is at this point. He's a physical guy that can, uh, you know, he's a jump ball guy. You can throw him the ball across the middle, and he'll fight for extra yards and, and those kind of things. He's not a he's not a burner. He's not a elite speed guy, but uh, he's a guy that can catch the ball and do some things after the catch. In terms of, uh, it take it seems like it always takes three guys to bring him down. So yes. um, when the dog gets angry, you do yeah, not bring and, him down. And so and he he had a really good game against Alabama and and a pretty good game before that against Auburn. And if he can. Uh, kind of put games like that, you know, more than just two of them sort of on, on top of each other in, a, in an offense that should be, you know, you would hope would be better than in 2018, then his numbers should go up, and, and you could think he could maybe get out of a late-round projection, maybe a mid-round guy. Yeah, when I we'll think of, when I think of Juwan Jennings, I think of, uh, of a really good quote that Rick Barnes had uh, about different sorts of players, and, and he said that, that people think effort is not a skill, but effort is a skill. Uh, you know, if you give great effort, then it gives you another skill. And when you play football, a season drags on. It's so difficult physically. You go out there every day. It's hard to compete. You're going to have days where you just don't have it, and you're sore and you're tired and you don't want to go through it. Uh, but when it's time to go sit there and play games, Jawan Jennings is one of the more elite competitors that I've ever been around. Uh, he's a guy who 
I mean, he was furious when Tennessee wouldn't let him back in to play that Vanderbilt game a couple years ago because he thought he'd worked his way back and was good to go. He gets out there, and he wants to win so badly at everything that he does that he makes plays that maybe some other guys with his skill set wouldn't make because he is just that nasty of a competitor. And he's like, I, I don't know if you you might jump a little higher than me or you might do this. I, I'm going to catch the ball. That's my ball. It's not your ball. And that that's the kind of guy that if you look around the NFL, if Jawan can learn how to run I – mean, his, his route running has gotten better since he's played the position more. But if he can be a really good route runner and he can continue to bring that sort of effort on a weekly basis, even if he's getting paid – you know, because a lot of guys, once they get the money, they go, nah, I don't I don't know if I'm, I'm going to give that effort anymore. I've reached the end result here. I think he's such an elite competitor that he'll have a chance at the next level because guys that, that in that league, some of the best receivers, they're good athletes, um, but there are much better athletes in that league who are not as good as some of the top receivers in the game because they're so committed and they're dedication level and they're they're just their want to and their their competitive spirit is such that they they will themselves out there to make plays and, and I think that's the kind of guy that will give Jawan Jennings a chance to play at the next level uh, because if he can get healthy that's going to help because he's a little faster than he showed last year I think uh, he's not a burner but I think he's faster than he showed last year but he's such a nasty competitor I think that gives you a chance um, because and, I th- I think it is a skill. I think he's that much of a competitor. And, and at the NFL level, he can you know he'll provide special teams value too because he can yes. he can play those and he's got that mentality to go down and, and hit somebody on kickoff coverage, which we saw we saw John Kelly do that uh, for the Rams in, in, against the Cowboys. He had a pretty big hit on, on as soon as uh, he kickoff got coverage. Yeah. And you remember like that's what he did as a freshman at Tennessee was you know he he had he had a hand in uh, that Georgia comeback forcing a fumble. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you, you see a lot of guys like that. Rashawn Golden's been that way. Um, played mostly on special teams. Some of those guys at Tennessee have gone on to, to the, their first and second year guys. They've played more special teams than they have maybe defense the past couple seasons, and Jawan could do that too. But uh, from Tennessee's standpoint, now you're bringing back your top three receivers. Uh, I think if you're Jim Chaney, you're, you're excited that, that Jennings is coming back because he's a guy that you can use as a weapon. He's a playmaker. And I think if you're Jared Garantano, you're excited he's coming back too because he's one of your one of your – Best guys, one of your go-to guys, and so and maybe he'll be healthier next and, year. And as we talked about, sort of last week with Cheney, uh, if you look in this offense, you've you've got some playmakers at, at receiver. Those top three guys, you've got a quarterback coming back that's need a small, quick receiver. They do. They need they need some more speed um, and maybe some more elusiveness at that position. Uh, or they'll and, have to, or and, they'll have to use Ty Chandler even more as kind of a Camaro who can play slot receiver and, and do some and, other and things. And both he and, and Eric Gray have some of those capabilities but if if you're uh, if you're Tennessee and you're going into the 20 you know go, looking looking ahead if you're losing Callaway and Jennings after the season then uh you're probably good you're hired T Martin to coach your, if he's going to coach your receivers he's, he's going to need to go recruit some after this after this year yes yes he the is 2020 cycle yeah I mean I think that you look at it and and getting getting those pieces back is big Tennessee still in terms of the big physical receivers I think that they, they've got as many as anybody in the league does I think the difference is when you look at some of those Bama guys, um, you know, you, you, you see Bama's got some speed. 
I mean, they got some guys that'll really take the top off of a well, defense. They've got freaks is what they've got. Yeah, and Jerry, then, Jerry Judy is a freak. And then Auburn, you know, has Schwartz who can just absolutely take the top off of a defense. And one of the fa- he Bama had the fastest wide receiver core I saw all season, but Schwartz was the fastest player I saw all season. And, that guy was unbelievable. And fast. He's got ridiculous speed. And, and, and Remal Keaton is not Ryan Kirkman. He's not a burner. He's not. Yeah, he's not a burner, but he is a. Um, he's just a smooth guy. Like he. He's not overly big. He's only like 190 or so now, 185, but he's he's got a frame that could project as big. And, so. and they've got Cedric Tillman too, who's yeah. who's maybe their their kind of their big guy. Yeah. That he, they're grooming to maybe do what some of the stuff that Callaway and right. Jennings can do. I like that kid a lot. Keaton to me projects as a guy. He'll get a little faster, I think, but he projects as a guy who's just good at everything. He's just solid. Yeah. He's not great at any one thing. He just does everything well and he's pretty smooth. So I, I don't think he's that speed upgrade that you need, but he's he's fast enough to be a good player. Yeah, so they're gonna have to probably split out guys like Gray and and Chandler next season a little bit to do get him the ball in the slot some do some things because I still think that and I think Pruitt after he broke down some of the film from last season and looked at kind of what they need going forward I think he saw a clear clear need to get faster at wide receiver because well, he need to get faster everywhere because you well, no no that's absolutely true but I'm talking about because at receiver they have almost every piece they need there to have a really but good they, water they don't have they, they just, don't have the guy like schwartz who can take a 10-yard pass make one you know make one guy miss and it's a house call they yeah, don't have that guy because the, the rest of them are the 6-2 to 6-4 kind of power forwards, you know yeah. power forward types i mean that that's just not and, and that that's not that those are great to have you can do a lot of things with guys like that but it's nice to have it's, one it's, it's tough to live shifty in, guy it's tough to live and die on yeah a lot of contested catches because there, there's a reason Tennessee was going for guys like Joffrey Brown, Jalen Ellis. They wanted guys who could take the top off the defense with some breakaway it, speed. It, it, and, it, and, and guys who can get open in a couple of steps, which yeah. Tennessee's receivers are at their fastest when they get galloping downfield. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's it, why you, that's why I'm, that was my sort of contested catches comments because mm-hmm. it takes them a minute to sort of get separation. And so if you can't get separation, you're having to make a lot of catches with DBs And if you can't back. protect the quarterback, he's going to have to get rid of it quickly, which yep. means that you're going to have to – do some stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think all that makes sense. Guys, were there any more team points before we uh, began moving over toward What about recruiting? recruiting, Wes? Do we do we have any is there anything that we've forgotten? Cuz I didn't I didn't Probably. do a list. I didn't do an outline. Probably. I didn't, we're good. Let's go. You, you hear no crumpling, no of, crumpling the, paper, of the legal yeah. pad paper Mm-mm. of the yellow legal pad. So I hear the crumpling of your brain. <laughs> I wish I heard that. Uh, Ryan, recruiting, the floor is yours. Couple days or couple weeks now until signing day. Uh, the traditional signing day, which is sort of anticlimactic in some ways compared to what it used to be, but still is a big deal because it's there are fewer targets, but a lot of them are really big targets. So there's still some some big big names out there and some still some interesting things going on with Tennessee right now. Yeah, uh, exactly three weeks from uh, signing day actually at the time of this recording. So it's still uh, still and a lot. We're, of, we're releasing it today, so yeah, and still a lot of time to for things to, to change with a lot of players. Uh, you know, we mentioned wide receiver. There's a guy, Tennessee, still recruiting at wide receiver. That's a big name out there, George Pickens from uh, from Hoover High School in Alabama, a, a coach, a uh, staff where, where Jeremy Pruitt obviously has coached before and has some still has some connections, so Tennessee's still battling there. We'll see if, if they can get a, a one of his final visits. Uh, based on our latest update, we posted on him on, on 24-7 Sports this week. It sounds like Tennessee is one of three teams battling for his final two visits, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but they, they do have a, a real shot at getting that one, I think. Uh, as for last weekend, you know, Tennessee had some visitors in town. Uh, Henry Toa Toa, the, the elite linebacker from out in California, top 50 player nationally, uh, was was the headliner, of course. But you had Ladarius Cox, the defensive line commitment uh, from, from Mobile, Alabama. And 
again, we talked about that area. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt's recruited it for a while, and Cox is a guy they've targeted for a while. He's been committed since April. Um, still visiting other schools, but I think Tennessee solidified things even a little bit more with him, so we'll see where that one goes uh, down the stretch and, and, and whether Tennessee can can hold on to him. Also kind of a surprise visitor, Ray Parker, four-star LSU commitment on the offensive line or at tight end, and it sounds like tight end is where Tennessee and, and LSU have been recruiting him to, to start off at least. Um, so that that's an interesting name to keep in mind. We'll, we'll see where things go uh, with him down the stretch, but he, he sounds like the, the door is still maybe open, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a Louisiana kid committed to LSU, and if LSU really pushes to hold on to him, you would think uh, they're, they're going to have a good chance to do that. And tight end not being Tennessee's biggest need anymore, um, that that was an inter- interesting addition to it, the board. It, it might be, though, because Dominic yeah. Wood Anderson's moving on after the season, and, and yeah. you don't know what kind of turnover you're going to get at it, that position. And you, you still sign two guys. Right, were, I was going to say, you sign two guys, but you still need to upgrade blocking, and I think that's yeah. the thing that we're trying to do with those guys. Jackson Lowe does that a little bit. Sean Brown's the one of the two signees who really gives you that, that blocking ability, and I think they could use – a guy like that, if they can, if they could get a guy like Ray Parker, I, it'd be interesting to see how they handle that with only a handful of spots left. Um, but then, obviously, Toa Toa was the was the headliner of the group, and and Tennessee, I think, made a really good impression on him and has a real shot at him uh, going down yeah, the stretch now. Still, they put Neater Monster on him, so yeah, he, he's been recruiting him for months. Uh, Niedermeyer's done a great job with him. Uh, Kevin Simon uh, is a De La Salle High School alum. That's that's a school that that Toa Toa goes to out in in California. Uh, Tosh Lapoy, who is recruiting him for Alabama, also went to De La Salle. So you've got a couple of De La Salle alums sort of duking it out for Tennessee and Alabama. Uh, a school's a couple thousand miles from home for him that he looks like uh, he's deciding between in all likelihood with, with Washington maybe being the other, other main contender. But it's, it's kind of looked like a Tennessee-Alabama battle here down the stretch. He still has his Alabama visit left coming up uh, on the weekend of the 25th. He's out in Hawaii this week for the Polynesian Bowl. So still a long way to go in this one. You've got official or in-home visits with both head coaches left to go. But I think Tennessee's done everything it can to put itself in pretty good uh, position right now. And I, I'm not going to say they're the clear favorite, but I think it's it's definitely possible Tennessee has has pulled into the lead right now uh, for, for Toa Toa. So we'll, we'll see if they can hold on if that is the case. But it's, it's definitely a tougher one to read, I think, than it was a couple weeks ago. This weekend – Maybe may a decent sized uh, visitor and, and list. When is Toa Toa deciding his? Uh, it's a national sign day announcement as, as of right now. So that's there. That's, there's. You would hope that if if he chooses Bama, he would at least give Tennessee a slight heads up there, so they yeah. could maybe offer somebody else. It, it's going to be interesting too because you've got Chris Russell, the other linebacker that that Tennessee seems to be focused on from Dyersburg, um, and, and Tennessee's really in on him. And, and has a real shot there. If they could get him and Toa Toa, would they take both? Um, because linebacker is still a need in this class. Very it, much a need. It, it would be it would be really interesting to see what they do there. Again, it might depend on what happens with guys like George Pickens and defensive backs they're recruiting. Um, an unofficial visitor they had on campus last weekend too, Kenny Solomon from South Carolina, got a Tennessee offer over the weekend. Uh, says he's six foot one seventy and run, and as claims to have run a four four two at a Duke camp last year and a four three six in another setting. So. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Is that fast? Uh, that, that's pretty good, I think. And uh, so, so we'll see if, if Tennessee pushes for him down the stretch. But that's at least another name to add to the board there, with uh, secondary help still being uh, a real possibility for Tennessee for, to fill one of those final spots this weekend. Some of the visitors that we know are coming in, uh, a couple of Louisiana guys that have been recruited uh, by David Johnson. So if there was to be some some turnover with Tennessee staff, I mean, David Johnson's still on the road recruiting for Tennessee as of this recording. T. Martin is not. Um, so no sign of anything changing there. But 
interesting that a couple guys from Louisiana recruited by David Johnson visiting this weekend, uh, Daiwan Griffin, uh, a wide receiver that's kind of been under the radar that Tennessee offered last month, and then Lance Lejean. Uh, it's it spelled Legender, basically, is how it looks uh, if you're looking at it, but I believe it's pronounced Lejean. Um, it looks like it should be pronounced Legendre. Yeah. So, regardless, whatever the case, four-star quarterback. Quite Cajun. Yes. Four-star Cajun quarterback. That's right. Four-star uh, quarterback, formerly a Kansas commitment. Uh, Kansas has a guy on staff from Louisiana, uh, I believe from his high school, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that, that helped to, to land him, but he backed off that commitment. Now it looks like Florida State's maybe the favorite, but Tennessee is, is kind of the other main contender there with Kansas also still in it. And, and Tennessee getting an official visit. So we'll see what comes of that. Uh, Christian Williams, the defensive lineman from Memphis, also expected in this weekend. Uh, and then Jamie Robinson, the, uh, the defensive back from Georgia. So at least a handful of guys. We'll see if any others are added to that by the end of the week. Uh, and, of course, we'll have, have plenty of updates on that on GoVols 24-7 if anything else comes up. But definitely still plenty to keep an eye on and, and plenty of names on the board as we, as we go down the stretch here. And, and, and another visit to watch this weekend, Darnell Wright, that we've been talking about. He's going to West Virginia this weekend, the new staff, at West Virginia, trying to get back in the mix. They're at least getting a visit. We'll see if he makes it there. He's been the kind of guy who schedules visits and then doesn't always go, so that's always a possibility. But with them being the home state school, may be worth keeping an eye on just to make sure they don't make it interesting. I don't think they will because they've got a lot of ground to make up, and the old staff there was not a factor at all. But with the coaching change, You've seen this happen before with Tennessee kids. Yeah, you know, don't ten- get them all fired up. No, right. I'm not. It's not a reason to worry for Tennessee fans. I'm just saying because it's an in-state school, you can't rule out something crazy. I don't think it happens, but it's at least an interesting visit to watch with Darnell Wright's schedule. He might, he might hear John Denver, and it just it just changes yeah. everything, right? He's like, man, <laughs> because I just, he's, I just, I just, he's never heard John, Den- yeah. John Denver no, being no. before. Maybe he hears it in that stadium, and he goes, man, I just – I, I've been looking at this whole He's thing. He's probably been in that stadium. Before. I've, been, I've, yeah. been, I've been denying who I am. <laughs> the, isn't he from uh, Huntington? That's he's, where Marshall is, right? He's from Huntington, yep. Well, there so, you go. Um, so, yeah, Morgan Morgantown's a couple of hours down the road. But regardless, it's a visit worth watching. And then, of course, Tennessee's still scheduled to get his final visit the weekend before signing day. So I think it's still shaping up pretty well for Tennessee. If 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 Niedermeyer had to, he'd, he'd sing Country Reds. No doubt. To Darnell. How about, how about that Samoan tweet uh, Sunday Directed at Talk Henry Tewatoa, subtweeting. Yeah, that is that is some good good Twitter. How work many there. how many minutes did you take up trying to figure out what he was saying? Uh, only, only a couple. Uh, I just tried a couple different translators. The Google translator worked better. If you're... little little known fact about Ryan, he knows some Samoan. I definitely do not. That's why he only needed a few minutes to figure out what it's. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, he does know. He does know things. He's a guy who knows things. Before we get on out of here, we will get to this week's uh, knows all things. This week's Grant Gun Show question of the week, which. If you're a first-time listener to this podcast, first off, what's wrong with you? Secondly, welcome. Uh, third, uh, every week we do the uh, Grant's Grand Show question should, of the week. I should reverse the order of those. Uh, just no. said welcome, and then what have you been doing? Well, I mean, I went the way that I went, and I'm not regretting it. And, I mean, really, I mean, it, it, come on. We've done, what, like 150 of these? If you don't know by now, what it's your fault, not ours, really, when you think about it. That's valid. But when you go... Uh, with this this gun show question of the week, Grant Ramey, as we all know, who does not CrossFit but does work out all the time, as we as he told the world on Twitter, as he likes to humble brag way. about a lot. So Grant's gun show question of the week is every week, uh, either through email or through our social media accounts. Anyone who offers us a question that we think might be the question of the week, if you win this award, that means you get one full week of any time that you see Grant Ramey in public anywhere. If it's at a basketball game. If it's on campus somewhere, if it's running around the streets of uh, Blount County, if it's at the gym, bro, because uh, he's lifting, bro, 
you have if you ask Grant for two tickets to the gun show, he has to flex his muscles has, for and, you. And has this a, happened yet? No, but someone's going to at some point. There's a home see. basketball game on Saturday. Yeah. Alabama, Alabama to comes to town at 2 p.m. If you're going to the basketball game Saturday, you know where the media sit, hopefully. They're down courtside on the one end yeah. of the court. Uh, what is that, the east end of the court? Go go find those guys. And, you just um, made up that direction. We're, we're on the side that we're on the side underneath the goal. It's, it's that, the side that, facing the stadium. That's right? not that's not Tennessee's bench, but the other bench. It's we're the on, side facing the stadium, so that's east. We're on the so, we're on the side of the opponent's bench. Maybe. So so that that's what Grant's right, gun show question of the week is. And this week's comes from a lady. It comes from Julie <laughs> Gentry, and it's a great question on Twitter. She said, "Okay, who, now we're getting somewhere." She said, "Who could be the next VFL coach to join the staff?" Ooh. Like now or, or anytime? Just who who no like any anyone who maybe is out there in the college game who could come back. Now that T Martin's back, who is someone who in the near future could be back at Tennessee? Well, I'll throw a, I'll give you one possibility for um well one that's happened before, just because you never say never and if and if Phil Fulmer's trying to bring the band back together, you can never rule it out. But Jay Graham, he he's a guy who's been yeah. at Tennessee before. If if Chris Winkie left and if they needed a running backs coach at some point down the road, who's to say Tennessee wouldn't make a run at him? So that's always a possibility. If you want a new name who hasn't been on staff before, Ryan's going to take up all the names. I'll I'll leave it to you because I think you probably are going the same direction I was going to go with. I, don't, I have no idea who you're about to mention. Go ahead and name yours, and if I if, I don't if know, it's, I don't have one. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the other possibility that I would throw out then because he just got into college coaching would be JJ McCleskey. That was mine. He's at yeah. <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know you had one on, on standby. But yeah, he, yeah he's at mine. he's at Tulane as the cornerbacks coach. Uh, not first... one lane. A little bit better than one lane. Not quite as good <laughs> as three lane. So first year there, he's still young, but uh, I, I think there's at least enough of a relationship there with with Jeremy Pruitt that you know maybe down the road gets a few years of seasoning. I, I could see that one happening. So so we'll see. But he definitely still loves the Vols. I'm sure deep down he would have loved to have seen his son Jalen McCleskey at Tennessee it didn't work yeah. out he goes to Oklahoma State now he's a grad transfer at Tulane and um and and yeah still still likes Tennessee and spends a lot of time in Knoxville now recruiting Knoxville for Tulane actually yeah I think the the other name since since Ryan threw out the one name that I was going to throw out uh, I think that he's a guy who just recently left Tennessee staff as a quality control assistant he could come back Montario Hardesty is a guy who good has Very good who one. has uh, started really. If you look at his age, and he's still a young guy, and he's he's kind of gone through the ranks pretty quickly. Um, and even as soon as he got to Western Kentucky, he because he went with um, Helton up there to to take a full time job there. There were a couple places that tried to hire him right after he got to Western Kentucky, like other you know Division one programs. So he's a guy who's on the up and up throughout his career, and he's a guy who I think could come back at some point. So good question, Julie. If you see. I didn't, you to, see, I didn't even get to put my answer out there. You said you didn't have any. I have one now. Who? Jim Bob. Ah. Oh, swinging for the fences. I like it. You think that he could he could go from that whole the posh oh, NFL lifestyle no. back to the recruiting lifestyle no, of I college? Want, I just want to say Jim Bob Cooter. No, he's he's an NFL lifer. You're not. There, there's never a wrong. Would, there's never a wrong time to say Jim Bob Cooter. Let, let me fans <laughs> exactly. fans who always want to hire away NFL coaches. Let me. Ex- We've talked with NFL coaches who have been at the college level before. I have they, no idea why anyone would ever leave for the college game. Yeah, you actually like can it, still sort of have a family. It's life. like an eight to five job. I mean, it really is such a difference between that and recruiting. I, it's if the money is even comparable. I don't know why anyone would leave the NFL. So yeah, I'm with you. I think Jim Bob Cooter probably an NFL lifer. But I'm hey, sticking with my answer. But hey, you never know. That's nothing wrong with that, Patrick. I think that's a fine answer. Eventually, you might want to come home. My my more realistic one is uh, Dale Jones. I thought about Who's that. Not, uh, Louisville, yeah. Right? Did he go with Satterfield to Louisville? 
Uh, I think you're right about that. I'm not positive, but I think you're right about that. Uh, App State's linebackers look pretty good there. Yeah, they did, and he's been there for a while and done some done some good stuff. So there there was one. That's my realistic pick. So those were, you know what, Patrick? I think those are pretty good. Congratulations to Julie. Congratulations, Julie. You are this week's Grant Gun Show Question of the Week winner. So if you you have a week now, T minus a week. Right now, if you see Grant Ramey anywhere around town, you say Grant Gunshow, he's got a flex. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then 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 we'll have to have a staff meeting and talk to Ramey because he understands these ground rules. Because why CrossFit all the time, bro? If you're not gonna if you're not gonna to to give the people a treat. That's what I'm saying. Thanks for listening this week, guys. You can find all of us always on social media. Uh, I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey uh, at Twitter.com or Twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. You can also find all of us all the time on uh, Facebook.com slash GoVols 24-7 and our staff Twitter account at Twitter.com slash GoVols 24-7. Or if you just... You just want to go straight. You want to go straight to the source. You want to drink the water right from the hose. You can go to GoVols247.com. We've always got good deals for you to check out, especially leading into National Signing Day. All kinds of a lot of a lot of people. They they give our site a try, and our hit rate's pretty good on keeping the people who come for the trial. So, uh, people who come and give us a shot, they usually do not leave. So you can come try us out there. GoVols247.com. Come post on the checkerboard where basically you get 24 hours and seven days a week of the GoVols 24-7 podcast. So, again, just like this podcast, if you've not already been there, what's your problem? Secondly, give it a shot. Pat, any final thoughts? No. <laughs> <laughs>